Hi, I'm Elise. I'm Matt, and welcome to Pod Wraiths, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. If this is your first time joining us, we're two friends watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine and sharing both our deep and irreverent thoughts on our favorite Star Trek series. This week, we're talking about Season 2, Episode 11, Rivals, teleplay by Joe Minoski and directed by David Livingston. This episode aired on January 4th, 1994. This week on Deep Space Nine, Quark feels threatened when a con artist arrives on the station and opens up a competing bar. Meanwhile, Chief O'Brien is determined to beat Dr. Bashir at racquetball. I'm doing it. An old man turned 98. He won the lottery and died the next day. I think that's the premise of the start of this episode. can we talk about real quick that guy's the guy in the prison's like horrible wig (laughs) yeah (laughs) i would just say it was hectic Um, and maybe this, in fact, is the most Star Trek thing. It was just this random old alien who just, like, dies, and we never never see his I actually, again. It's just like... yeah, in an earlier form of my notes, that was my most Star Trek thing, and then I was just like, I don't know why I changed it, but we'll get there. <laughs> so, I do want to say that I vaguely remember this episode, but really only... From like osmosis because of all the gifts and pictures of Julian in the racquetball outfit and doing the stretch poses. Like I don't actually uh, remember okay. like watching yeah. it, but I like am familiar with it because of yeah. those. I mean, you didn't remember when Prince Humberdink from <laughs> The Princess Bride was on Star Trek? I mean, I remembered that I had seen his face, but I didn't remember like it before <laughs> i didn't remember before yesterday <laughs> of prince humperdinck and oh, what's his i can't even remember his name was it martis martis mazur mazur um is played by chris sarandon who played prince yes. humperdinck and the princess bride um also ex-husband of susan yes. sarandon he i saw him um because last year i watched the um the table read of the princess bride um my parents had okay on zoom there yeah it was like i remember you couldn't watch it because it was like a political charity thing which i didn't even support but my parents paid for it so i was like yeah i'm gonna watch this but if you had watched it it would have been like election fraud or something (laughs) being from canada (laughs) um and it was so good he and mandy patinkin were my favorite of the cast um they were it was so much fun we love Mandy Patinkin on this podcast, folks. That's our Mandy. <laughs> I feel very confident speaking on for both of us um, on, on that. So, clearly we are very excited about this episode because we are talking about the Princess Bride instead oh. of Rivals. <laughs> Woof. This episode, like, okay. it was fine, I guess. I really did not care about the, like plot of like the the gambling plot or the like everyone's lucky or unlucky or clumsy part of it i just i didn't care i think this episode 
commits one of the largest sins of film and television. Ooh. Where it's it's not good. <laughs> it's not it's not bad, like in a fun, like cringeworthy right. way to, to watch. It's just boring. Yeah. Yeah. It's largely boring. And like what what saves it from being wholly boring to me was the the other the the Julian and Miles plot. There are things I, I enjoy in there. And again, I think it's like a foundational episode for those two characters and you know their relationship as it continues right. to develop and i mean we love a vi- we love a viral um skin tight <laughs> racquetball suit um but there are things for, even from that plot the, just real that quick once i the, started thinking of the way you said it made it sound like the suit would give you a virus, <laughs> but I know you meant like the picture of it went viral. Oh, like it went viral. <laughs> yes. yeah, Sorry. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. Uh, no worries. But even within that racquetball rivalry plot, um, once I started thinking about it and like why Miles and Julian are even able to be blackmailed by Quark. Um, I just got really annoyed and then like checked out on the rest of the episode because it's like, there's that whole bit about making sure the Bajoran orphanage (laughs) and the monks can afford to buy blankets for the winter. It's like, bitch, this is apparently, this is supposed to be a post scarcity society. You have fucking replicators. Just even if like there's something wrong with the power grid on Bajor, they're still doing all these like reconstruction things. Fucking just replicate the blankets and everything else that like is needed on Bajor on the station, and just fucking mail it there. Like yeah. Jesus Christ! Yeah, like for sure. come if on. You can rep- Sorry, I got real. Yeah. It just really stuck in my. Craw, if you can yes, replicate the these gambling machines, you can replicate fucking blankets. You can fucking replicate blankets, yeah. exactly. And you could replicate all the food that was needed on the fucking last episode. Anyway, just saying. <laughs> um, the sanctuary episode. I feel like replicating is the answer to a lot of problems in Star Trek. Like, I get it in, like, TOS. Like, they did not have replicators. But, like... And I and I understand if... But they kind of did, right? I don't, like, I don't remember. Again, it's it's not built out the same way. Right. But, like, on the original series, they had, like, the food dispensers. Right. Where you, like, put, put a card in and then it, like, came out. So it's, like, basically, like, a version of, of a replicator. <laughs> right. Um, it's just not... It kind of reminds I mean, me of um the like mini pizza in um Back to the Future Two, and they like the like oh the hydrate, <laughs> hydrate level yeah, four, yeah. please, mom. You sure can't hydrate a pizza. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree with you completely. Um, the only aspect of that plot that I didn't dislike was Dax working to find out what was going on. Like, I did enjoy Dax being like, there has to be some scientific reason why this is all happening, and Kira being like, I just tripped because it was a coincidence, and that really speaks to their personalities for me. Like, Kira is not as into science as Dax is, and it's just, it's like, 
And Kira's a religious person, and I feel like she's okay, like, not knowing all the answers, and Dax is very science-oriented and is like, nope, I need to get to the bottom of this. And that aspect, I, I'm i trying really hard and grasping at straws to pull something out of this plot that I liked. Um, so yeah, then. yeah. And I mean, at least we got some, some Dax and Kira time right. hanging on an ops and looking at each other really excitedly just like a like a couple of gal pals just just friends yeah you know, just just friendly things and it- historians <laughs> will call them friends <laughs> yes um i did also actually enjoy the miles and keiko's relationship in this episode and i feel like a lot of times keiko and i'm not saying this based on all the episodes we've seen i'm just saying this over the show in general she is written in very, right. like, a nagging wife kind of way, and I really appreciated how she just, like, teased Miles in this episode about getting older, but then later she does that nice thing where he's getting ready to play Julian that last time, and she gives him that silk scarf and put her perfume on it. I thought that was really cute. Um, she was being really supportive of him, and I... I liked it. Um, I did. I do like the teasing because it shows that their like their relationship is lived in, and that she knows she can joke with him. And it just it felt really cute to me. Yeah, I I agree. And like as the series goes on, we get we don't get enough Keiko now already, but we get kind of less and less of Rosalind Chow's Keiko O'Brien. And what's interesting about this episode and the idea of, like, rivals, it's like, and again, if you're super spoiler-phobic, skip ahead 30 seconds, but the friendship that ends up growing in one of, kind of, I think, the better um, male friendships, anyways, in, in Star Trek over the seven years is fostered between Miles and Julian, and this is a kind of a foundational episode towards the show pairing them together Mm -hmm. but for a lot of intents and purposes when it comes to either a miles or like a julian kind of episode or or things like that um they become each other's spouses so like a lot of like the like intimacy that you see between keiko and miles in this episode in future episodes yeah it's a slightly different flavor of intimacy right but it would be like miles and julian talking which i think is like I just wish we could have had both. Right. Over the they history, kind of become of like show. work husbands and best friends. Yeah. 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 I love them. And historians will call them roommates, best <laughs> friends, gal pals. Um, yeah. I keep thinking about how it's funny that Lazi is not here for this episode because we, we know that he loves Julian and we keep talking about in the past episodes where he guested, we kept talking about how it was weird that Miles was not involved in the Julian plot, but this is the first episode where they're really in it together. So that's kind of amusing. Um, but he should be back yeah. soon. So Well, maybe he was the smart one because <laughs> he didn't have to watch this episode. I mean, I don't think the episodes he was on were that great either for that matter. But yes, this might be the worst of them. Hailing us. Yes, that's what I was going for. <laughs> uh, so we had like kind of two sets of rivals in this episode. Cork and Mardis Mazer. Um 
And then we had, obviously, Miles and Julian. But, um, so, Mardis Mazur, you know, is this con artist that shows up on Deep Space Nine. And I have to admit, when he was talking to those older women to try to, like, first the woman in in Quarks and then later the Bajoran shopkeeper, like, the way he was trying to charm them totally reminded me of the beginning of The Producers, where... Um, I forget the characters' names and the producers because I have not seen it in a very long time. But I've only seen the the I've seen the original movie. I saw the newer movie, but I don't have an opinion on that. Anyway, um, it was just it just felt like that where they're just trying to charm these old ladies out of their like retirement money or whatever to like keep their production going. So I would have really enjoyed, like, a springtime for Hitler performance in the middle of this episode. That would have livened it up a lot for me. Yeah, and, like, hmm, with all due respect to legendary actor of the screen and stage, um, Chris Sarandon, I don't know if I was really into how he was portraying Martis. Like, I feel like his take was much more stoic almost and like not not as charming as I would have liked for like you know the script right like it was a little wooden almost I don't know I got you it just, yeah he, he was a little he didn't he was like a little stiff. strike he me he was a little stiff yeah yeah. Um, what's interesting about, or one of the interesting, like, kind of Star Trek lore things about Mardis is Odo mentions that um, Mardis is from a race of listeners when he's like, oh, I'm just listening, uh, an Ellurian. And this is the first time that we hear that this, this name drop of this race of Ellurians, which actually includes the next generation's Guinan as played by, by Whoopi Goldberg. Up to this point, she has also been said she's from a, a race of listeners, but there hadn't been a name yet. And then Guinan would be named a member of this race shortly after this episode aired once Star Trek Generations came out. Um, and in fact, in earlier drafts of the script for Rivals, Mardis was a so-called wayward son of Guinan. So there was a more direct familiar connection there that then they they took out all references to that, obviously in, in the final the final teleplay, but just a little oh, little Star I Trek had, Lord no, fun fact I didn't, for you. I didn't remember what race Guinan was, so I'm finding that extremely interesting. Um I wonder how that would have played. But I I do know that they were trying not to like do too much about a previous series. So I wonder if that was part of their decision making and taking that out. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I if I if I did know, I forgot to put it in the book, <laughs> So well, we will both run to memory alpha after <laughs> yeah. this recording. Um yeah, I don't really have even that much to say about Martis and Quirk, but there were <laughs> when I was watching the episode and he's talking with that woman at the beginning and she's basically telling him like her life story and about the, like, secret money she's trying to get or whatever. And she was like, I just met you. And I just, all of a sudden in my head, I was just, like, started singing Call Me Maybe. <laughs> and I just met you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. So, yeah. I threw a wish in the well. Asteroid mining can't tell. Do, 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 do. I need 
Something, something. I know, I know, I know the actual words. Are I don't. In my that's way, why I, was I trying um, to think of a didn't sing it. So, well, yeah, they actually teach us that in school up here, right? Because Carly Rae Jepsen <laughs> is Canadian. Did so. you have to write out all the lyrics as like a test? No, I only know this from when I went to do my um, education degree. Because obviously, when I was in school, <laughs> we were just writing out Celine Dion. Right, lyrics. right. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they've expanded the curriculum. Since. I bet when I was you know, in school, they those kids bit. were learning Alanis Morissette. You see, no, she actually got banned. <laughs> oh, I guess that makes sense. You don't want to have like um, yeah, blowjobs. A lot, mentioned. a lot of conservative parents. <laughs> yeah, a lot of conservative parents parents didn't like um, oral sex and movie theater references right. being taught to their kids for some reason. I wonder if so. they were allowed to teach that in like the more liberal provinces. <laughs> I mean, maybe, but uh, the thing is like the full house lobby at that time in the 90s was was really high. So like it was hard to hear um, anti-Dave Kool-Aid um, propaganda. So. That makes sense. Big Kool-Aid was big up there. <laughs> Cut it out. Should we cut out that whole part of our uh, episode? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, did we know previous to now that Deep Space Nine apparently has Prosecco? And why is it pink? And why did Martis drink it like a shot? Is there a different Prosecco that is not Italian sparkling wine? Wait, I wonder... It's space Prosecco. I wonder if there's like... A... Or maybe the Universal Translator screwed up. <laughs> I wonder if there's like... Oh, that that would be really funny. I wonder if there's like a planet called Prosecco and like that's where it comes from rather than it being from like Italy. Oh, and I was looking like a cordial glass too, right? Yeah, like, it so was. I guess like you... But... Yeah. Or like a glass you would have... Like a scotch in, I feel like. Or is that a cordial glass? Is that the same thing? I think like a scotch glass is a little bit bigger. Mm, got it. Than that. <clears throat> um, yeah. <laughs> um, I did enjoy the Bajoran shopkeeper lady's little black hat. I found out her, all of her outfits were very exciting and fashionable. Um, she just seemed... Yeah, she kind of had a like, very, like, 40s, yeah. like, almost, like, old, old golden age of Hollywood Oh, totally. To it. And it's, like, which, again, made me, like, ask what Chris Sarandon is doing <laughs> and, like, what, what, what the intent was. Like, is he supposed to be this kind of, like, 40s kind of, like, con man, but he's playing it more straight, <laughs> like, the lead, but, like, he's not, like... I mean, like, he's attractive, don't get me wrong, but, but just, like, there wasn't, there wasn't that same charisma that I would have, like, expected, because, again, like, and this is, like, a more modern reference than I think some of these references I was just talking about with, like, the 40s and stuff, but when you think of, like, a con man, of course, like, you think of someone like Sawyer on That's exactly what I was just thinking. Just kind of... (laughs) oods like charisma and like i don't know it's just like even while still playing that type i don't know there's just not to belabor the point too much because i think this is the second time i made it but just sarandon doesn't really work for me in this we need josh holloway in this role is what you're telling me 
Although I don't know yeah. how old he would have been. Yeah, pretty much. Whenever this, whatever year this, in 1994. Well, I guess it was probably recorded, uh, filmed in 1993, but yeah, Josh Holloway. He just has that smile. He does, and like Chris Sarandon did not, like, you need to have a smile that is going to attract the cougars. Uh, Josh Tully could have done it. He was born in 69. Oh, yeah, totally. So, like, he would have been, like, a younger... Would have been, like, a younger man, obviously. But, uh, anyways. <laughs> um, I am... One thing I found funny was when Cork was so angry for um, Martis's shop opening or his gambling establishment, he, like, complains to Odo and then... Cisco about how he ha- was supposed to have the monopoly on gambling establishments and I really like the cinematography of Cork and Cisco going into the elevator and then like he's just like yapping and you just hear him the whole time the elevator goes down to the lower level and the camera pans down to the lower level and it's just Cork is not going to stop complaining until he gets what he wants and I don't think that that cinematography kind of matched the rest of the episode, but I very much enjoyed that scene. Um, and I did enjoy also that Cisco fully admitted to blackmailing Cork earlier when he asked him to stay on the, or blackmailed him into staying on the station. Um, I like that Cisco does not pretend that what things he's done is not what he's done. Is Does that make sense? He's not going to, like, pretend that he didn't blackmail him, and I thought that was funny. Yeah, he's, like, cutting through uh, Quark's, um, what's what's the word I'm looking for? Revisionist history. Right, he's like, no, I blackmailed you. <laughs> and you've benefited from it. Um, of course they had to have Rom go in to business with Martis just to, like, make Quark's, like, teeth on edge even more. He has to, like, an extra <laughs> knife in the back. Um, yeah. I don't really have much else to say about Martis or that rivalry. Do you, before we go on to Miles and yeah. Julian? I mean, just that, like, we haven't even talked about the, like, little gaming machines that he replicates. That oh. Oh. <laughs> putting the plots together but that's that's okay like 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 his new game is that you know simon says toy that like has magical science properties basically yeah um i love that it was like yeah go i don't even know how you would know that you like won i guess it depends on whatever color pops up i don't know like it doesn't really matter well and like the the this the sounds and stuff are, are different so Miles built this racquetball court. I found that very impressive. He's like, I want to play racquetball, so I'm going to build a court and see if anyone else wants to play with me. And then he's like, oh, it's Julian. <laughs> I didn't expect it to yeah, be you. So... <laughs> I think he's doing all this, like, you know. The 5,000-year-old battle warm-up. That was the most pretentious shit I've ever seen. I kind of loved it, actually. Um, (laughs) I think it's so funny. Like, Miles is so threatened by Julian. 
he like and Julian doesn't know how to talk to Miles like the it's they're speaking two different languages like Miles is very down to earth he just wants to like play and Julian is just bragging about how he was like the in the top uh he was like the champion in Starfleet Medical uh Academy (laughs) it's just Miles is not impressed Yeah, yeah, and it's what's what's kind of interesting is the uh, like not relating to really anything you were just so astutely <laughs> pointing out, but the rack the racquetball court is a redress of the um, hollow suite set, so you can kind of yeah. see it with the, once you know like with the the angles and stuff like that. Yeah, and I think like because of the setup and stuff, it was complicated to shoot in so this is the one and only time we see this set and uh again slight spoilers go like go ahead three seconds if you're super spoiler phobic but that's why their game gets replaced to darts later on in the series oh interesting that's more continuing spoilers real quick that's more fun anyway because it's like in quarks (laughs) Isn't it? Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, they set up the the, the yeah. dartboard in at the bar. And like, speaking of other things happening, like, I, not other things happening. I did like um, the scene where after they were playing, there were two scenes I actually really liked. I liked Miles coming back to his quarters and like, like kind of freaking out about how embarrassed he is because Julian basically wiped the floor with him and Keiko trying to be like, well, you're getting old. Like, that was so funny to me. Um, Probably because, and they later, I guess, Dax guesses that he's like no more than 38. So it's just funny to me that he's like younger than me. (laughs) supposedly and he's like being all grumpy and I just can imagine because I'm not an athletic person so I would have totally been like miles in that situation but the way he like rips his shirt off and more on that later and like is stumbling around his quarters (laughs) like it felt like such good acting like I really believed that he was like super frustrated about what had just happened and then they pan to Julian having lunch or whatever with Dax being judgy as fuck. Like, I thought he was going to have a heart attack, which normally I am very uncomfortable with people commenting on other people's athletic abilities. Like, don't be a dick. But Julian's also a doctor, so I felt like it was half coming from, like, a medical perspective. And I, you know, yeah. obviously Julian's everyone's doctor. So Julian is Miles's doctor. I'm sure he's examined him at some point. Um, and... This kind of reminds me of an earlier scene where Jake's trying to get ready for school and is, like, getting all of his stuff together and picking up the orange juice. I know we talked about that. I don't remember what episode that was. But the way that Julian is, like, trying to find the the ketchup that works in the scene with Dax, like, he, he tries, like, he's telling her the story and he goes to the next table and is like, oh, do you mind? Like, just in the middle of the way he interjects himself to get the ketchup and that ketchup doesn't work and then he has to go get another ketchup. Like, that... I love how DS9 does 
this where they have people having conversations while doing mundane things. So it's not just people standing there talking about whatever. They're having a lunch and it feels very natural. And that scene really made me laugh. Okay, it was good. And I like the setup. And like, again, it, it was like visually interesting and felt lived in kind of like the elevator scene you talked about previously with Quark and Cisco. Mm-hmm. But like, wouldn't the ketchup just be repli- I know, just I had a lot of replicator thoughts on this episode. Well, maybe. <laughs> like, is there something then in the ritual of putting your own ketchup on it? I don't know. I would rather put my own ketchup on it. Um, well, I don't, I don't like ketchup to be honest, but I would rather put my own condiment on my food. I'm sure. So you it's, take things at your own pace. So then? I'm sure it's replicated. It's just replicated into that one. Probably just needs to be refilled. Was that a reference to something okay, that I missed? I, 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 I hear you. That makes sense. But you said you didn't like ketchup. So I said you just like to take things at your own pace. Oh, then. yeah, that's I didn't get your joke because listeners, I have a bit of a cold, so I'm not as quick as I normally am. So that really smart joke just went right over my head. It actually wasn't that I know. Smart, I'm just making fair. <laughs> no, I, I yeah. didn't get it. Anyways, earlier today, I like went downstairs and took my glasses off and then came back upstairs and was like, where are the f is my glasses and then i i took them off to put something in the dishwasher why would you take your glasses off to put something in the dishwasher i'm a little out of it folks so yeah then later when they're playing again julian is being super condescending um by purposely not playing well and miles is not having it and i would have been really pissed too and he threatens him. He's like, play your best or don't play at all. And then Julian just doesn't want to embarrass him anymore. So he basically is like, yeah, I don't want to play anymore. Sorry. Yeah. 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 And <laughs> I don't know how to segue. Quark's looking for, yeah, Quark's looking for his edge, you know, in his own rivalry. And I was like, you know, basically becomes like a promoter. <laughs> basically. Of, he declares you know, himself that he's a promoter. <laughs> Yeah. So here's where. The, so this now our A plots, our B plots, and then like our kind of. I guess C plot. Yeah, I guess mystery, Dax and Kira's part, or Dax, um, Cisco and Kira's conversation would be like a little C plot. Um. It all. They all comes together, and like. Yeah, I don't know. Like basically, the the. We talked about the blanket stuff. We talked about the blackmail, the little gambling toys that Chris Sarandon replicated and were the main thing in his in his um, casino end up affecting the neutrinos or some science thing. So that's why everyone had this really good luck yes. or really bad yeah. luck. I don't know. It's dumb. It they is dumb. It. He ends up getting arrested. Yeah. <laughs> but I did find it funny that Quark basically tricks everyone even though we are not here for the monks part of it because there's a fucking replicator but Quark like sending them both emergency calls so that he can announce this game and call like giving them nicknames like Miles the Mechanic O'Brien and Julian the Dr. Bashir it's he makes them sound like hitmen (laughs) 
like the mechanic will like go to work on your teeth or something and the doctor's gonna chop you up in pieces like that's what i the vision that i got from those nicknames yeah yeah it's very like boxing promoter yes sort of sort of deal that he's got going on there yeah I'm kind of the one thing I liked about this, though, is that, you know, once they once Miles kind of realizes that, okay there's no way I should be winning this game, then he and Julian have like a normal conversation finally where that where Miles is like something weird's going on here. And they're all the pretense from their conversations is gone. And Miles is talking to him. Just they're talking like two humans that working on a problem, not the egos are dropped. And I do like that because, as we said earlier, it's, like, kind of this beginning of their friendship now. Even though they're not friends here, you can see that they're on the same page, at least. I will just finish up by saying it was really funny to me that one of the ladies that Martis was trying to scam, like, was scamming him back. Um, yeah, I did. I did like that reveal in the end. That was, like... That was a fun bit. Yeah. Because um, I kept wondering throughout the episode really, why she kept going along with, like, telling him shit. So it kind of made sense, but I, like, didn't see it coming. And the, she, and I guess then the, the whole thing, too, is maybe where I can make by, like, you know, not really being into Sarandon's performance is, like, he's just not that good of a con man, whereas uh, Asteroid Mining Lady definitely is. Yeah. Like, we, um, I didn't see it coming at all. I need 10,000 Isics. I didn't see Nancy Reagan coming. See, and you said you were slow this morning. You picked up where I was going with that one. Okay. <laughs> well, that joke was, was funnier than the other one. <laughs> so in the end, we don't know if Miles and Julian are friends yet, but there seems there's probably um, less animosity than there was before. At this point, do you want to? Well, I don't know. Do you want me to read the letter at the end, end, or or now before we get into the regular scheduled? I think at this point it makes sense to do it. Like, uh, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's. I guess. Let me open my email because I had forgotten about. Yeah, if I had remembered earlier, we could have done it. Yeah, no, for sure. Oh, when I opened my email, I got a complimentary $356 from CVS. That sounds like a scam. Okay. Here we go. So, Matt, guess what? We got an email? We got an email. We got our first email. I'm so excited. We got our first email from... Our friend Reg, and I'm gonna read it now. You ready? I was born. Right <laughs> Hello, Elise and Matt. Longtime listener, first time emailer. I agree with Elise. And this email is already amazing. In my dislike of the word female <laughs> used in place of the word woman, and it's a huge red flag to me. I have only ever heard it being used by problematic problematic men and women and the far right. So perfect for illustrating the misogynistic nature of Ferengi culture. It's used to dehumanize and devalue women because it reduces us down to genitalia 
and denies seeing women as full actual human beings with desires, skills, and intellect. They don't refer to men as males, so there's an inher- so there's an inherent incongruity there that highlights the sexist vitriol behind it. Female used to be such an innocuous word, but now I have this negative association with it, and it makes me instantly uncomfortable where I, when I hear it outside of a medical scientific setting. Now, as for Jadzia Dex, we stan a queen, and her presence in this episode exposes Quark's hypocrisy when it comes to women. Jadzia and Pell are both women, both intelligent and confident in their abilities, and can easily navigate the world of men. However, Pell isn't allowed to do any of this this in the Ferengi society, so she has to pretend to be a man. I found it interesting how Quark has no qualms about showing his, excuse me, showing his intimate interest in Jadzia and yet denies it with Pell. We all know Quark likes strong women, but he hasn't come to terms with that yet. Guess we have to wait for Grilka to show up, who I also stan. I guess that's a little spoiler, but we don't, um, I don't think that spoils the, that plot. This episode laid a great foundation for Ferengi, for Ferengi culture, and I cannot, and I can't wait to hear more of your opinions on how that culture changes and grows in later seasons. Reg, P.S. The friendship between Kira and Jadzia is how I wish all friendships between women are portrayed in media: fun, kind, and supportive. There is. N- no cattiness there, no sideways punching, just two women cheering each other on, and I crave more of that in our pop culture. I thought that was such a great letter, besides the fact that she agreed with me. <laughs> but um, I really, I really, <laughs> no, I, I agree with everything um, she said, especially the comments um, about Quark not realizing, or like denying what that he likes strong women, because it's pretty obvious and I also really agree with how Kira and Jed- and um, Jedzia's friendship is portrayed. I mean, my friends and I are not catty and bitchy to each other, so it's really nice to see two women just being supportive of each other. It feels real. Yeah, no, that was a, a really good email, of course, and then replying to like their rules of acquisition episode that came out a, a couple couple weeks ago yes um yeah it'll be interesting kind of go forward and kind of continue to examine the the ferengi for for better or worse yeah but, uh, no thank you so much for that email reg that was yeah great. i was really and if you want to send us an e sorry go ahead i was just gonna say this kind of makes me want to keep track a little bit during the Ferengi episodes on whether Quark admits that he likes strong women or not. <laughs> Although I know that doesn't come up in every Ferengi episode, but it's still an interesting uh, thing to monitor. And if listeners want to be cool like Reg and email us and then get their email read on the podcast, you can reach us at podrace at gmail.com. Well, Elise, I don't know about you. This episode... Rivals has certainly been something. <laughs> so, in looking for our really strong take homes as we kind of move towards closing out the episode, um, do you need your thirst quenched today? I, do you need some Altair water? So, I actually really do. I was surprised because this episode was kind of a whatever episode, as we've um, more than implied. But I am just here for sweaty, shirtless Miles (laughs) O'Brien. 
Like, he's so angry that Julian kicked his ass in that first match and he rips his shirt off and he's all I was like really into it but I was also into that hot kiss that Keiko gave him right before the final game when she had given him that like perfume scented um scarf I just thought that was really hot and I would want to win the game just for her Yeah, and during that one sequence you just described, though, when Keiko is talking about about how you know he isn't as young as he used to be, blah 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 blah. That that really hit me hard because they're like, "Well, Miles, you're 38," and I'm like, "Oh, oh, oh!" Right? It's just yeah. When you you think about yeah. it, because like when I first saw this, I was I was not in my late 30s when I first saw this, and now I am. I probably was oh. exactly 38 the first time I saw this, since I only watched it for the first time last year. But um, yeah, yeah. What do you think was your most Star Trek thing of your ep- of this episode? Ultimately, I think it it was an overall meh episode and i think that's the most star trek thing because when you have over 800 episodes of television over 55 years yeah there's going to be some bangers yeah there's going to be stinkers but the majority of it will just be eh. and this episode was kind of eh. yeah so that's, that's my most that's star trek fair. Thing. i would say and i oh, and sorry. i think like in it oh, go, sorry, no go you, ahead. you go mine was a new thing and I think, too, like, in related to that is just that, like, I don't know if this episode really needed the sci-fi hook of the, like, luck neutrinos and, like, that that machine. Like, you know what I mean? That felt a little, um, oh, we need a sci-fi, like, Star Trekian problem or mystery to solve. Right. And, like, I don't know if the episode really benefited from that. But the fact that they needed to include it felt very Star Trek. Yeah, that's fair. I think mine was just that it was kind of like a backdoor Miles gets tortured episode, which I feel like is a concept that we really haven't had yet, but I know it exists. So sorry, spoilers for uh, later episodes. There's always like a Miles has to deal with some nonsense. And you know what? In this case, it was the fact that he wasn't as good at uh, racquetball as Julian and that it made him very grumpy. Well, Elise, until next time, where can listeners find more of you on the internet? Yes, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Elise underscore Tendi, E-L-Y-S-E underscore T-E-N-D-I. And you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at MattyHugh, M-A-T-T-Y-H-U-G-H. You can catch us together on Twitter and Instagram at PodRace. And as previously mentioned, you can email us at PodRace at gmail.com. Please remember to rate and review us on the podcatching system of your choice. And again, thank you to DJ Empirical for our interstellar theme song. And until next time, computer and program. Bye. Bye.